All right, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. Uh, we're coming at you with episode 176. Uh, so I wanted to you know, talk about this week's guest. Before I do that, I want to give you a little personal update. We're going to start you know, these episodes with a, a quick update. Just did week three at the new job and just hit the prospecting trail for the first time in a while. First time picking up the phone on the cold call, sending the emails, the LinkedIn, everything like that. I had a little bit of hiatus between jobs. So it was the first time, uh, you know, using outreach and, and uh, getting on the phones in a while. So uh, my one take, you know, two takeaways, one, that phone feels really heavy on the first few, but it gets lighter. Uh, you know, the more you do it, it gets easier. Once you get in a rhythm, once you're consistent, once you kind of start eating the frog, so to speak. So um, you know, that's one thing. And then the second thing is what I found super interesting was on day one, you know, I'm, I'm starting this cadence and, um, I send an email to the CEO at a really hot startup and, um, you know, he forwarded me along to the VP of, of the department we sell to, and we got a meeting booked. Um, and on Friday I did the same thing. And on Saturday, I got a response that the CEO forwarded my email to, the VP of the department. And he said, please take me off your list. Add me to the do not contact list. By the way, this is very poor form. So all that to say, you can do the same thing. One person's going to set you up with a meeting. The other person's going to, you know, freak out at you. So who knows? You got to AB test. You never know how people are going to respond. So you got to take your shot and shoot it. So that's my tip for the day. Um, without further ado, I want to get into um, this week's interview and God, I love this guy. I love this guy. I love Scott Lease. Um, he's one of the most recognized sales leaders in SaaS. You've, you've probably seen him all over LinkedIn or, or Twitter, um, but he's a six-time sales leader. He's a three-time founder. He is a two-time author, and he's a sales consultant and a strategic advisor and a mentor to um, you know, probably dozens of companies and probably hundreds, if not thousands of salespeople and sales leaders around the world. Um, he's like the superhero of sales. I mean, he has, he's got the experience scaling companies, right? He's, he's led companies most recently at Qualia, who's off the charts right now. Um, you know, he's really accessible for people. There's a bunch of people like myself that hit him up just on LinkedIn, ask for advice, ask to chat. He's super around. Um, and then he keeps it real. 100% of the time, he's, he talks about money. He talks about stress. He talks about um, you know what it's like to be a VP of sales and getting shafted by a CEO and things like that, man. So he, he talks about the real stuff. And um, you know, I met him. I reached out to him for advice earlier this year, just cold. And I really have enjoyed his podcast, uh, Surf and Sales, with uh, our mutual friend, Richard Harris. And he, we grabbed a call and I offered to help him with a few things pro bono. Just, he seemed swamped with what he was doing and we developed a little bit of a relationship and, and he was helping me out. So he's a great guy. Uh, and we go really deep in this one. So we cover what it means to be a competitor in sales and, uh, you know, his insane work ethic and competition. And we compare that to, you know, folks like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant and just some of these sports analogies um, from documentaries we've seen, but it really speaks to what he's like and how he's been successful. Um, Scott, you know, spent the first three years after college. Well, you know, he was, he was a 
a semi-pro uh, soccer player and, and tennis, you know, he's a tennis player and soccer player in college. Um, but then in his early 20s, he suffered about three years uh, in the hospital uh, with, you know, some rare conditions. He had about, you know, close to a dozen life-saving surgeries. So he, you know, from the age of 24 to 27, when most of us are, you know, getting our, uh, you know, getting our wits about us professionally, he was in the hospital and he didn't leave his hospital bed. And so when he came out, when he was 27 and, you know, 80 pounds lighter or whatever it was, um, you know, he started from the bottom, you know, in, in sales. And so he talks about what that climb was like when he finally closed the deal late on a Friday night for his first deal when he was way behind the pack. So we talk about that whole journey, uh, talk about his work ethic, his, his competition, you know, his gratitude, what makes him successful. And then we get, you know, towards the end of the show, talk about money and, um, you know, how should we let money motivate us or not motivate us um, as salespeople? And then what the hell should we do with it once we start, you know, making some commission checks? It's something that a lot of people kind of shy away from and don't talk about as much. So we get into all that. So um, you can find Scott on LinkedIn or Twitter. He's super accessible. Uh, he runs a Thursday night sales, uh, which is a, you know, the world's largest sales happy hour. You could check that out at thursdaynightsales.com. Check out Scott Lee's consulting. Uh, or what I would recommend also is that you can read his book, which is called Addicted to the Process. It's a great book, especially for anyone kicking off their sales career in their first few years. Um, it's like 70, 100 pages. Um, I read it earlier this year. It's, it's an awesome read. It's a quick read. And um, what I'm going to do here real quick is a giveaway. Let's, let's make this fun. So the first 10 people that I see that post this podcast interview um, on social, it can be LinkedIn, it could be Twitter, it could be Instagram, it could be Facebook. You post it on social, you tag me and Scott, um, you know, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Tommy Tahoe uh, on LinkedIn, Tom Alemo. Scott Lease is, I think, just Scott Lease on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. So tag us, post it, um, and I will personally buy you his book, and I will send it to you. And, you know, I'll, I'll hit you up on a DM, and we can get that thing going. But the first 10 people, there's the step. You post it on social media. You tag us. And then I will DM you if you're one of the first 10 and I'll get you Scott's book. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this. Uh, if you did like today's episode, if you got value from Scott, I would, all I'm asking is that if you would love, if you'd please subscribe and leave a review. If you're on Apple, if you're on Spotify, if you're watching here on YouTube, hello, uh, please subscribe, leave a review. Outside of that, let's get into today's conversation with Scott Lease. Let's go. All right, Scott Lease, early in the morning. Good morning, man. How you doing? Welcome to Millennial Sales. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for getting up early with me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, you know, first and foremost, I got to say, you know, I'm, I'm super excited for this episode. You've been someone that, you know, I was really, you know, have learned a lot from this year. We met earlier this year, just kind of happenstance through LinkedIn, I think, or through the podcast that you do with, with Richard. And, um, you know, you make a, an impact on a lot of sellers, old and young, but especially young people that are trying to figure out their career like me, like a lot of the listeners. So um, I want to first and foremost, just thank you for everything that you do for the community before we get into this, uh, into the episode today. 
I I appreciate that song. That means that means a lot. I've got a a special affinity for people who are just getting started in their career. Yeah. And and one one quick maybe like icebreaker that, you know, I don't think a lot of people bring up. You talk about your sports career a little bit from here and there, but tennis. You talk about soccer a lot. You don't talk about tennis. I'm a tennis guy too. So at some point we'll have to duke it out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't end up talking about tennis too too often for whatever reason. Maybe because it's a little more individualistic sport, you know, overall than the than the team aspect. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hit some uh, hit some tennis balls with you sometime. Yeah, and I feel like it has a pretty good you know metaphor to sales and to life, just in the fact that you are it's a one on one sport. It's all you out there. You you can't pass the blame to anyone else. You can take the success when it comes. You know, oh, there's the ups and downs. You can come back. All that. There's just all these metaphors that I think yeah, really align well. Super, uh, super frustrating at times. <laughs> yeah. right? Super uh, routine based and rhythmic yeah. from, you know, your service motion or whatever. And yeah. Lots of good metaphors there. For sure. Um, so, yeah, as, as folks heard on the um, on the intro here, you know, you have a, a really interesting background both from, you know, the sports career that you've had, um, you know, the, the physical battles that you fought early on in, in your career and, and in your 20s, and then obviously all the, the success that you've had in the startup world and everything like that. Um, but I want to I dive in really to the initial part of your sales career um, to really understand what it was like, right? Because I know that you started late, you know, you started at 27 or so, um, so you had a little bit of a, of a handicap there um, in terms of the timeline that you started and it wasn't easy for you to kick it off in sales. And I think a lot of people would look at you and say, well, Scott Lease, you know, he's this athlete and he's super confident and super competitive and he probably just picked up the phone and closed the first person that he talked to. Um, but you talked in your book that, that it wasn't that way at all and you, you really struggled a lot. So I'd love for you to just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, you know, struggling is is a little bit of an understatement i mean i uh i tried to quit after my very first day i had told my wife that there was no way i was going to be able to do sales and it would never work um i got hired in a batch of around 20 people really large like hiring class um at the end of the first week i was the last one left who had either not quit or or not made a sale yet so I was freaking out and, you know, convinced that I was going to get, uh, going to get fired, you know, and I, this is like a, this is 2004. So 16 years ago or so, it's just like totally different universe. There's not as many resources to tap into. There's no communities to tap into and learn from. I was coming in blind. I'd, I'd never done any kind of sales before, never been in business whatsoever. You know, and I didn't get much training at all. I got put on the phones after half a day of training. And the training was really like, here's what our company does. And, he, and here's the, the product and the service we provide. And, and that's it. Off you go. Right. So it was just straight thrown into the middle of the ocean and like figure out how to swim. You know, not an ideal situation whatsoever. Um, and it took me a little bit to, to find my find my groove and, and figure out, you know, what selling kind of style and strategy worked for me. It wasn't easy at all. I was definitely not like, you know, just straight away day one doing great on the phones. No. 
and you're in the first sale was like a Friday night, like 8 PM, something like that. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I, like I was saying, I was, I was, I was basically convinced they were going to try to fire me after the, the first week. Um, cause I hadn't made a sale, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better. I, I don't think that they actually like said that to me or put that kind of pressure on me. This was just like my own paranoid kind of, you know, mentality. And, uh, so I'm like, well, I'm just not going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to stay here, you know, all night basically until there's, there's nobody left here. And, you know, five o'clock passed, six o'clock passed, seven o'clock passed. And I, I started taking advantage of the time zone. I was living, or we were working in a, just outside of Walnut Creek, California at the time is where this, the office was. So I start calling Hawaii you know, cause I'm taking advantage of the time zone and, uh, it's like nine, nine thirty at night. I think I, I had like already ordered pizza and I might've even grabbed like a couple beers and, uh, I, I got a hold of somebody, you know, nine thirty California time or so. And, uh, real fast sales cycle at the time that I was in, I one call closed this guy and, you know, there's like the lights are off in the building. There's nobody there. I just have this like mini celebration with myself. And I'm like, oh fuck that 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 was amazing. That felt good, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can do this, you know. And uh, the light bulb kind of clicked, you know. And and that big light bulb for me was just, well, I just outworked everybody, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm 27 years old. It's Friday night. It's 9:30, and I'm in the office cold calling. Like other people are not willing to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm gonna win, you know. That's how I'm gonna going to compete like that's going to be my advantage because i don't have the training i don't have the skill set or the experience um that was like my big epiphany and so i, I rode that like well i'm just going to outwork tom and that that way i can beat him but i rode that for for quite a while until i like actually developed some some skills would you that's all i mean everyone can remember their first deal and it's just a crazy it is like a light bulb switches and it's like oh shit I, I, that was awesome i can do this yeah. and um like you mentioned some of the paranoia and, and obviously like now it's like hey i want to i'm just gonna outwork tom i'm gonna outwork everyone that's how i'm gonna succeed has that has that gone away as you've had success and gained skills because to me on the outside of someone that i haven't worked with you but i've I know you a decent, decently well, and I see you doing all these different things, and I know that you do work really hard. Um, but I'm curious if, if you think that ties into it of like, no, that's, that's just the Scott Lee's life strategy at this point. Like, I'm just going to outwork everyone, and, and that's how I'm going get, to get what I need to get. You know, I, I, think, uh, <clears throat> I think for the most part, I, I'm still that way. You know, I could go back even farther, like, I grew up in Chico, California, <clears throat> you know, went to the same high school as, as Aaron Rodgers, uh, quarterback of the Packers. And I, re I remember a few years ago, he said something to the effect of, of like, he got a huge chip on his shoulder because people didn't go north of Sacramento to, to recruit, which is why he ended up going to the junior college first before he went to, to Cal. And I can remember, you know, playing tennis and soccer, up, up there and, and doing really well and, you know, a decent number of accolades and like, you know, where's, where's all my offers? Like the local college, like didn't even reach out to me. And I'm like, what the fuck? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I got like these offers to go to Santa Barbara and, you know, 
down south and Pepperdine area and, and things like that. Um, but I wasn't never the like most gifted athlete. Like I have athletic ability, but I won in tennis by outworking people. I won in soccer because I was just like not going to quit and I was going to, you know, do whatever it kind of, kind of took. And so I, I think I just always had this like little bit of an underdog kind of scrappy mentality, little bit of chip on my shoulder, you know, e even to the point of kind of inventing slights, you know, like, you know, the story about Michael Jordan where he's like invents things that people like wronged him in some way about. Yeah. Like, I, I think I have a little bit of a, of that and I've had it since I was, since I was a kid, you know? Um, and I keep, I keep hustling like that because I, I, I know what it's like to have everything ripped away, you know, in a flash. And that goes back to my, my health troubles and stuff. And so there's a part of me that's just like, dude, if you stop right now, like, it's all going to get taken away, right? Somebody's going to pass you or, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I have this like little bit of low burning anxiety all, all the time. Like all this is going to go away. Like it doesn't matter. I can make a hundred grand this month. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, fuck me. I might make nothing next month. Right. Mm. And I, I, I'm not, this is by no means me endorsing this kind of, mentality it's just like yeah part of my makeup and and you know it, it serves me well in the sense that I am never I'm never struggling to find motivation you know everything around me motivates me um and and you know so th that's that's a little bit of the into the psyche of of my brain I guess so, yeah did you um that, that's funny that you talked about the, the kind of like making up slights. I remember in, it, even back in high school, there was some kid that got put in the newspaper for tennis that was, he was just way better than me, but I didn't think he was. So I, I cut out his picture and I put it on the fridge of my house and my mom was like, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but any, anyways, like, do you, did you do that type of stuff? I mean, maybe not like, you know, put pictures of your colleagues on your fridge, but like, did you when you were on the come up or even now, like, did you, did you list people out and you're like, Hey, like every single week, you know, Johnny's the top salesperson. And I'm like, I'm going to make sure I make 10 more calls or I'm going to show up, make sure that it's at this time and leave at this time. Or like, did you, was that oh. stuff that you would just continuously do? And then that was kind of snowball into, uh, into, you know, the, One, the success you had. 100% man. 100% yeah. to the, to the extreme of, this is, this is how competitive I, I am. And I guess I was back then when I was first getting started, like I made a point to be the first one in the office and the last one to leave. And I know how, you know, cliched that kind of sounds and not everybody can do that. But at the time I was 27 years old. I had no kids. My wife was deep in, in grad school and, and spending tons of time, you know, studying and everything. So I had the time and ability to do that. But I made a point to be the first guy in the office and the last guy to leave. You know why? Because I wanted everybody else to be demoralized. <laughs> I, wanted, I, want, I, wanted Tom, I wanted Tom to be like, Jesus Christ, like no matter how early I try to get there, this dude Scott is like already there, right? And I can remember showing up one time at like 
seven in the morning and somebody beat me. And I was like, well, fuck that. That ain't happening again. So, you know, the next day I showed up at like, six. <laughs> so I started working like 6 a.m. to, you know, after 6 p.m. basically every single day. And I wouldn't leave. Like if you were in the office still working, I was like, God damn it, Tom, like, when are you going to go home, dude? Right. <laughs> and and I've, I've, I've since like, there's a famous story about uh, Kobe Bryant. I can't remember. It's like somebody came to, to LA and was warming up. Right. And they, and they went into the gym and like Kobe was already there. And, and this, this basketball player like did like an hour and a half workout or something like that. And that basketball player was like, Kobe was there before me and he, was there after I left and like after the game the player asked Kobe like dude like is that your normal routine or whatever and Kobe said to him no I just wasn't gonna leave until until you were gone right and I, I didn't I had that same kind of yeah. kind of mindset with the sales floor which is just like crazy competitive and stupid to to look back on but that's that's the type of shit that I was that I was thinking about man you know I, I wanted I wasn't there to make friends, you know, I was there to get good, do well, get paid and kind of, you know, move on. Right. Was anyone ever telling you to like, Hey Scott, like time to, time to chill out. Like, or, or as you got into leadership or anything like that, like was anyone at any point ever like trying to slow you down intentionally? No, not really. I mean, uh, certainly not from any, leadership at the, at the at the company you know there, there was no like i did not feel like they cared at all about my you know health or well-being I, I they were they were like i think they loved it they were like this guy's a machine i'm just gonna keep adding fuel you know to yeah. him um now yes all the time like richard you know richard harris my my surf and sales uh partner and good friend like Dude, he he texts me all the time to calm down. You know, he's like he's like you need you know you need a vacation or you need to take some time off and whatnot. And, yeah. You know, my my family for sure tells me that. So, I uh I actually kind of need that. You know, because I I, I won't I won't notice right like how much I'm doing or how hard I'm working. Um, and I don't. It just I don't feel like overwhelmed right yeah you have but, a high tolerance for that yeah yeah but but you know there's some guardrails in my life where, where people like richard are like hey dude you sure you want to have uh 13 hours of podcast tomorrow is that is that, is that a good idea I'm like, really? <laughs> no, is that what we booked shit okay that, that sounds like a lot so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I find that a lot of times it's that thing that can make us successful it can also be the same thing that that can draw us back so it's good to have people that maybe can can help to balance it and he he says you know for what it's worth that you do the opposite that you're like hey you're pushing him to kind of get out of his comfort zone from time to time and so i think it's help it's helpful to have a you know someone a buddy that can can push yeah. you in the right direction that's a, in, that's in a, both good, those uh, ways. a good yin and yang dynamic there between us yeah. So, so since we're, we're talking about him and, and talking about a little bit of that, you know, one of the big focuses that you have uh, is around micro communities. And I think anyone that's been in, in sales or the business world for the past few years knows maybe not this year, but uh, you know, past few years, like oh, there's all these major conferences, you got Dreamforce, you got this, that, you know, tens, hundred thousand people, 
you know, in San Francisco, there's like, you know, you can't get anywhere because there's a new conference every single week that all these people are flooding into and you shake all these hands and you take all these business cards and then you, you don't remember anyone or you don't remember the speakers. So I know a big thing that you're focused on with surfing sales, uh, with Thursday night sales, with, with a lot of the things that you do with your Patreon is really focused on building a micro community. So um, I'd love to hear you talk about what the genesis of that was and, and what that's meant for you and, and maybe some of the relationships you formed. Yeah, yeah. Um, this goes back to like late 2017. So, you know, we're talking about three years ago, let, let, let's call it, right? Um, and I was, I was having an aversion to everything has to be bigger, 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 and just this like massive scale in terms of, of interactions with people. And I was actually um, in Costa Rica on a family vacation with, with Richard's family uh, over Thanksgiving. And we were talking about, you know, conferences and like his schedule because, you know, he's like a road warrior. Like he's going to, to you know, every conference and from Billings, Montana to Charleston, West Virginia to wherever, right? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like. You know, this like doesn't sound fun to me. Like, there's no way you're building like deep relationships and learning shit. And, like, I ain't going to, you know, the Marriott in St. Louis for another conference. Like, how come nobody has, how come nobody has conferences in like a cool place that people actually would want to go to? And why does there have to be 10, 20, 100,000 people? Like, if, if I spend time over the course of a few days with like 15, 20 people, those relationships can become very, very meaningful and, and last like forever, really, you know? Um, and so he was like, well, why don't, you, why don't you build a conference then, Scott? I'm like, well, <laughs> who the fuck am I? Like, I can't make, make a conference. Like, why don't you help me? You know, we're, we'll be kind of better together, right? And he's like, all right, well, you know, you get it started and, and I'll participate or whatever. I, I think he thought I was kind of joking but one of the things about me is that when I get when I get an idea like I take action like real quick if I like mm. it um, and I talk about this all the time like shrinking the delta between idea and action and so before we knew it uh, you know surfing sales was kind of kind of born right and um, the whole point was to have this experiential kind of learning environment and uh, deep relationship building, get away from your, your normal routine, right? So going to Costa Rica, Mexico, Nicaragua. So we, we take like 15 to 20 people a couple times a year uh, and, and kind of combine a vacation and, you know, surfing, which is something that I'm passionate about with, you know, sales and, and, and leadership training. And we've had everybody from SDRs to CEOs of tech companies come along um and we have you know six hours or so of like training during the day and different sessions hosted by different people um and and so i i've just like i've been really about like a, a smaller more intimate kind of relationship building and learning for a number of years now and, and that has kind of been with me and then when all this pandemic stuff started you know Justin Welsh reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to do like a sales happy hour for some people? 
real just like casual one-off kind of idea i'm like yeah all right that'd be cool you know just give people a little relief or whatever and we had like 50 60 people show up and we're like holy shit you know that's that's like that was kind of cool and then he had a conflict the next week and i thought to myself you know if i don't do this again this is going to die right this goes back to that like paranoid mindset of mine where i it probably would have it probably would have right yeah so I'm thinking, well, I gotta, I gotta do this again somehow, or this is gonna die. And so I reached out to my friend Amy Volos, and I'm like, hey, you wanna, you wanna join me? And she said yes. And then you know, it grew. I don't remember how exactly how many people, but like you know, there's maybe like a hundred people the next time. And then Justin came back, and it was the three of us for a long time. So th- that's how Thursday night sales got got started. And it's you know now we're going on almost 30 weeks in a row. There's every single Thursday from, you know, seven central to sometimes it's gone like past midnight, right? Wow. It's just like virtual happy hour and, and AMA, ask me anything kind of thing where people from all over the world at different stages in their career and different roles are able to ask, you know, me and Amy now, uh, you know, whatever questions that, that you want. It's like, there's so many deep relationships that have spawned off of this now. And, and I just don't see those kind of things happening at the dream forces and the, you know, Saster conferences of the world and stuff like that, you know? And, and so I, I've become a big proponent of these micro communities and, you know, revenue collective is, is a, is a good one. Sales hacker community is a good one. Rev genius is one that's kind of just get, getting started. Um, and so I keep trying to, you know, be a part of these and, and, and build these and, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of all the rage right, right now, you know? Yeah. What's, what's a, uh, and I've been on, um, you know, I haven't been to servant sales, but I have been to, you know, handful of the Thursday night sales, which are great. What is there? Um, I know so many questions get asked and the conversations really do vary wildly, but are there any questions or themes that you think come up a lot? more recently um or anything that sticks out to you that has been really a hot button the last few weeks or something that that has really stuck out to you of of someone that was looking for advice on on a certain aspect well probably a bit obvious in hindsight but you know because so many people lost their jobs i'd say the central theme has been you know career advice right anything from you know where do I find my next job to what's the best way to interview or prepare, right? So um, how do I, you know, move from SDR to AE or AE to manager or manager to VP, all this kind of stuff. So that the, the job component, the recruiting component, that's been the most central theme, I think, over the six plus months, however long it's been now that we've been, uh, we've been doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just started a new job this week, so I've been on the interviewing trail the last few months and um, there was definitely things that, that you and Justin and Amy had brought up that were helpful throughout that process. So that, that makes sense. Um, I want to, I want to pivot a little bit. Uh, you talked 15 minutes ago about some of the motivation early in the careers, like, Hey, I want to make sales. I want to be successful. I want to get paid. And it's what's super interesting to me is that sales is one of the only professions that you can really control your destiny in terms of success, in terms of, uh, you know, financial success in particular, and no one really talks about it. 
I don't hear a lot of, uh, you know, heads of sales or sales trainers or consultants or CEOs or anyone talk about money. Um, and I, I don't, at least I don't see it very often. And so you're one of the people that does. And um, I'd love to hear what your take is on, you know, maybe a young person that one is probably a little money hungry because, you know, we, we don't have much to start off our career, you know, graduate college or whatever, and, and you're starting from scratch. Um, and then once you start hitting success, like, you know, I think the first part is like, how do you use money to help drive your motivation? And the second is like, well, what do you, what do you do with that? Like you can get really successful in your mid, late twenties, early thirties and start making a lot of money. And then like, how do I not blow it off on stupid shit? You know, like what, what do I do with it? Yeah. I you know. It's interesting. I don't know why people treat money and compensation and earnings as such like a taboo kind of subject, you know? Um, maybe it's just like an aversion, you know, I, I think like the eighties maybe was like, so pomp and circumstance and flash and like, look at all this money I made. And like, maybe we've just, the pendulum has shifted around so much that people don't want to talk about these things. And, you know, certainly everyone is like customer focused right now and, you know, servant leadership and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's nothing wrong with those kind of things, but you know what else there's nothing wrong with making fucking money. Okay. And, and, and being motivated by money and having specific targets for yourself year after year that grow. And I, I just don't know why I just don't have the belief that it's like bad to talk about, you know, I talk, I talk about it all the time. Um, I can remember, you know, getting my first sales job in, in the Bay area and, and my base salary was 30 grand, right? You imagine trying to live off 30 grand in, in the <laughs> Bay area it, it's almost impossible. Right. And so I can remember then getting a commission check and it's like, Oh my gosh, I made, you know, $5,000 this month. And that was the most money I had ever made in a single month. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I wonder if I could do that again. Oh, I, I wonder if I can hit 7.5. Oh my God. I made, I just made 10. Holy crap. I never thought I'd make that much money. I made 10 grand in a month. I wonder if I could do that again. And then I just kept setting these like, little you know bars for myself to keep kind of raising it and i'm like <coughs> excuse me every time you hit it it's like a little bit surprising like holy crap how did that happen was, was that a was that a you know one hit wonder am i going to be able to maintain that and do it again and just keep just keep going with it right the the flip side of that is um i watched a lot of people you know buy a bmw they could barely afford right mm. one of my good friends who I won't mention, but you know, he bought this like big, huge, fancy Denali, uh, you know, <laughs> and just like extended himself. And I, I just have never been, I've never been that guy, right? Like, I don't care about fancy stuff like that, you know? Uh, I, I don't, I don't have a bunch of fancy clothes. I dress like I did in high school. I look like a homeless person half the time. <laughs> I, you know, I, I drive like an old Prius. Like, I'm just, I'm just not that. And, you know, I see, I see some of these people who I know I'm making more money than by far, 
and they're driving like an $80,000 car mm. that I know they're making huge payments on. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like the, it, the image doesn't matter. What yeah. matters is what you're actually earning and, and how you're using it and using it in that regard to like look fancy or whatever is just stupid to me. Right. And so I've at a very early age, you know, my wife and I started buying some investment properties. Right. And then we started saving for, you know, down payment on, on these things or, or saving up for, for trips. Right. And, and things like that, like experiences instead of, uh, instead of things. And I, you know, saved up and started diversifying, you know, income streams. Right. So like we just talked about surfing sales, for example. Well, the, the first time that we decided to do that, I had to plunk down $25,000 on my credit card, mm. you know, to, to make all these things happen. Right. Like, well, if I didn't have those cash reserves, I might not have been able to do that or it might have been a little scarier for me. Right. Mm -hmm. But because I tend to be like pretty conservative and, and, and save really well, um, you know, I can, it allows me to take some risks, right? Like I've de-risked it a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, the same thing goes with, uh, you know, buying a house. Like I could have afforded, you know, a million dollar house in San Francisco, you know, 10 years ago. I didn't, I just thought it was dumb. Like, why am I going to buy a million dollar house in Santa Rosa where I was living at the time? It's just one of the reasons I moved to Austin. It's like mm -hmm. significantly cheaper, right? So rather than 30% or more of my monthly income going to my mortgage, I, it's like 3% for me right now, right? Yeah. Well, that's, there's a lot of freedom that you have to, to start doing things, right? And I, the same de-risk kind of strategy with money I did before I went off fully on my own. Like I had, here's my, you know, income over here on this side from, you know, working at, Main Street Hub and Qualia and Outbound Engine and these other companies I've been at. When I started doing all these side hustles, right? It's like I got my advisory stuff. I wrote the book. I got surfing sales. And all of a sudden, my income from all my side hustles matched my income from my main gig. And at that point, I was like, okay, I don't think I need to do this main gig anymore. And I have money saved and I'm making all this good money you know with my side hustles let me just go all in on that full time and if i fail i'm okay right and, and so it's just i but i don't think people talk about it you know enough and, and 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 tell like cautionary tales or like give good advice financial advice and whatnot so that's something that i hope uh i hope to be a part of the dialogue that that changes that and, and sheds a little bit more light on this kind of subject for sure. And, um, and you mentioned, you know, some of the advisory stuff that you were doing kind of on, on the side and, and trying to build that up over time. Could you, could you speak a little bit to the, the early days of that? Like, how did you, how did you go from whatever position you were, VP of sales, director of sales to like start in that foray? And I'm sure you weren't making a lot on the side, but how did you get that first deal or first contract, first gig? And then obviously you grew it up to the point where you could do that as your full-time, uh, your full-time gig. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting topic because everybody wants and knows, I think that they need to, or should have side hustles. 
you know, right now. Yeah. And, and being a consultant or advisor or whatever seems to be maybe the most obvious route or path. Um, here's the problem, though. It's like you're not really qualified to be an advisor if you have two years of sales experience. <laughs> like, yeah. so you, can't, you can't really cut the line too well with that. Like I had already been a VP three times before mm -hmm. I ever got my first advisory consulting gig. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had three, I had almost six years of experience building sales orgs at the VP level before I took on my first, my first client. And, and what happened actually was I was in between jobs. And so I had left this VP gig. And so I was interviewing for new VP gigs and some of the companies that I was interviewing with, I didn't really want to go work there full time for whatever reason, right? Like maybe I, I didn't like the product enough, wasn't passionate enough about it, or the location was wrong or, or whatever. And so I started spinning these interviews into consulting gigs. So I'd be like, look, Tom, appreciate the interest. Like, I don't think it's the right fit for me full time. I got an idea for you if you're open to it. Why don't I kind of help you on the side here for a month or two or three or whatever, while you keep searching for a VP. And I can just act as a bit of a bridge and, you know, give you advice and kind of guide you and steer you in the right direction. That's how I started getting my first gigs is I mm. spun the interviews into mm. consulting gigs. Um, and, you know, I, I was, I charged nothing at the time looking back. Like I could, I could, actually nothing or like just a small amount? No, like a very small amount. Like yeah. five, I think 500 bucks was like the first fee that I, that I charged. <laughs> And I, and I remember thinking, holy shit, somebody's going to pay me 500 bucks to like get my advice or whatever, right? Yeah. Being kind of blown away and like partially feeling guilty and like, am I actually worth that, that amount of money? And I had, I had a friend who, who said to me, Jesus, you're, you're undervaluing yourself. Like, when are you going to wake up and realize that you actually, you know, are an expert at building this stuff? And I'm like, uh... And I'm an expert at this. It, it, it took me, it's taken me, even now, it's like, it takes me a long time. And I think it takes a lot of people a long time to get confident enough to be like, yeah, I, I actually am an authority on XYZ topic, right? And so I, I undercharged like for a very long time, you know? And uh, I had somebody a couple weeks ago tell me that I'm undercharging even now still today. Um, I also had somebody tell me that my prices were insanely high on the same day. So, <laughs> what do you know? But the, what I wanted to do in the early days was like, I, I just, I was blown away that somebody would, would pay me for this. And I just wanted to take people on. So I sort of purposely kept my fees like really, really cheap like that. I wanted to figure out a rhythm and how to do the work and like do well and get some kind of referrals and references kind of going and whatnot and uh you know i just slowly slowly started incre increasing my uh my rate you know but every time you increase your, every time i increased my rate i was like deep breath you know is anybody yeah. gonna say this right so that that's kind of how it got started so yeah and now there's no looking back huh well i don't know you know this goes back to my my fear that i was talking about at the beginning of the, <laughs> of the show so I, I don't know man you know 
people have been asking me, are you going to, you going to grow your, your business, whatever. I'm like, I don't know, man, like all this shit might disappear tomorrow. Like I have no idea. Yeah. I might have to go get a, a VP of sales gig again. You know, I've, I've had a really, this is my 12th month fully on my own right now. And, uh, I've had, oh, a, yeah. I've had a really good, a really good year and blown away what my expectations, uh, were. Um, but how do I know I can do it again next year? I don't know. Like, I, yeah. am, I, am I vanilla ice? You know what I mean? Like, am, I, am I a one hit wonder? I, yeah. I, I have this conversation with people all the time. You know, I've talked to like John Barrows and, and Richard and another, another folks who have been in this kind of training or consulting game, you know, a long time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they've, they've, they've had ups and downs, you know, as well. And, uh, so I'm not going out there even now, like spending lavishly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can go buy like, you know, some $5 million dollar house and new cars and all this kind of stuff. Like I'm still sort of hoarding everything because I'm like, yeah. is this going to last? Is this real? Right. Yeah. Is the, you know, am I going to turn into a pumpkin at midnight or whatever? <laughs> so. But I think that's, I think that's, I mean, maybe, some people would, would view that as, as a bit extreme, but I think that's smart and that's the way that you stay hungry, right? It's not getting complacent and that keeps you going to the next year and the next year and the next year and the next goal. Um, and, you know, you got a lot, of, a lot of time ahead of you to do more interesting and, and impressive things. Um, I, think, I think that part, I think the part that's nice is that uh, you, you start to be able to be really selective in how you spend your time, you know? And that, that's part of the freedom that, that you get, you know, that comes after you've earned a certain amount of money or, or you're, you know, commanding a certain, you know, fee from clients and whatnot. It's like, I don't have to work with you. You know what I mean? Like if, if, I, if I talk to, to you, Tom, and, and, you know, you're looking for help and I don't really get a good vibe from you or, or love your product or idea, it's very easy for me to say no. Right. And if I was going to go back and work full time as an operator, I can be very selective. Like I'm not in, I'm not in a position where I, you know, I have to say yes to the, the first or second thing that, uh, that comes along. Um, I can work with the people I want to work with on projects that sound interesting to me. Right. And, you know, I, I think, and I'm hoping that that leads to better work and more interesting work and, and helps, you know, keep me motivated and keep me going. Yeah. Um, now I want to, I want to ask one more question here, um, specific to kind of taking you back to the, the VP or SVP of sales days. So I'm curious, you know, I'm starting a new, a new job this week. There's a lot of folks that are on the job hunt or maybe they just started a new job. They're listening to you. They're ready to run through a wall. They're ready to make some cold calls, whatever the, their, uh, their job is today. Like, what, what is your advice as someone that's run, you know, half a dozen different sales orgs, you know, full-time and however many consulting for someone that's like a hungry young rep that wants to make a good impression on you and wants to climb throughout the company and maybe wants to get into management and, and start working up the chain? Like, what, what would your advice be to that person if they were on your team? Well, you just got to get really good at your job first. You know, what, what I don't what I don't like to see or feel is somebody who's a climber, 
you know, who comes in and just like, yeah, I'm really focused on, uh, you know, getting promoted to this role. And I'm, I, I really want to be, you know, a VP. I want, I want your job one day. Like, <clears throat> okay, that's great. But you know, you've been here like two hours. <laughs> like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit, you know? So <clears throat> I think, really just becoming a master at your, at your current role, right? Is the best way to make a good impression. All the other stuff should be secondary, right? Like, you know, building a good relationship with your boss or learning additional skill sets. Like, you know, maybe you're doing a lot of reading on, on leadership or, <clears throat> or things like that, or, or learning, you know, Salesforce admin kind of stuff because you're interested in like the operational side of, of things and you're doing that on the side. Like, just don't do those things until you're already pretty damn good at the role that you're in. Then it becomes interesting for me to have conversations with Tom, right? It's like, if Tom is one of my top salespeople and, you know, Tom starts asking me to lunch or like, you know, in our one-on-ones, like starts changing the conversation a little bit it's like you know hey i'm i'm interested in in advancement and this is kind of what i'm thinking like what advice do you have for me now i'm i'm bought in right because like now i believe that tom has that ability and now i want to nurture that right and now i want to take tom under my wing and like okay he's my you know apprentice or whatever right i want to i'm going to help this guy i'm going to help this guy you know have my job one day now right mm-hmm. But when you, when you come in and, and you're too focused on those things before you've gotten any good at your current role, it, it really like misses the mark, right? Yeah. And, and I think so many people now, um, regardless of their age, just like so many people now are, don't want to be in whatever role they're in for more than five seconds. It's like everybody's focused on whatever the next thing is that people don't spend enough time getting really good at whatever role they're in right now. Right. And that's really the only way to, to move up is to be the best. First, the first things first, that's like table stakes. You have to be the best at what you're doing and then you have to do all the other stuff um, that, that would, you know, make you an interesting candidate for the promotion or whatever it might be. You say, you say table stakes, Tom, and it should be, but I, I promise you that you and I could, you know, bounce around on LinkedIn or wherever and ask, you know, ask people the same kind of question. And there'd be a lot of answers that would be different than the ones you and I, you know, have given people jump kind of right there. So, you know, I try to be very cautionary when I give that, that kind of, uh, that kind of advice. Right. Mm. So uh, I want to take you really quickly before we uh, do a little, um, you know, info on, on where folks can connect with you and find you and all that. I want to take you quickly to what I call the selfish section where I ask one question specifically for me because I'm interested in it. Um, <laughs> I like that. So um, I, I, you know, I'm always looking for, for great guests for the podcast. And there's a lot of folks that are in the, maybe you probably hate this word, in the influencer camp like you that, you know, we've mentioned a few of their names today. I want someone in the Scott Lease network that is just an amazing sales leader that not enough people know about or that more people should know about? Mm. I will, I will give you, I'll give you a name and and it's somewhat selfish of me as well because he, (laughs) he used to, uh, he used to work for me 
and he's still at Qualia right now. His name's Ryan Heafy. And uh, this, is, this is a kid who worked with me when I was at Outbound Engine and frankly was like very mediocre as a sales rep and not that great. Um, certainly no kind of leadership stuff in my mind in terms of how I looked at him or whatever. Um, and, and after I had left Outbound Engine and started at, at, uh, at Qualia, I can't exactly remember, but like we kind of reconnected and I'm like, okay, dude, I'll bring you over to Qualia and, and uh, you know, give this another go, right? Mm -hmm. This is the guy who didn't impress me very much at, at the yeah. first place. I bring him into Qualia and like, kid does like a 180, right? Mm. And like, I don't know if it's maturity or, or, or whatnot, just got to a different level of dedication and seriousness and, uh, you know, performed really, really well as an AE. I moved him up to, you know, sales manager, did really well as a sales manager, moved him up to senior sales manager, you know, year three, I moved him up to director of sales and he's like managing, you know, some of the other managers over there and he's still over there right now. And, uh, he's shy, you know, in some ways, like he doesn't have a huge, he doesn't use LinkedIn all that much yet, which I give him shit for all the time. He's not, he's not, so, I don't know that he's ever been on a podcast. I, I haven't gotten him to come on to my podcast even. So this is me like shoving him a little bit into the uh into the spotlight because he's somebody i think he's uh he's gonna make a good vp of sales one day awesome ryan we're coming for you um that's awesome man well i know that you say you don't love to do self-promotion so i'm gonna do a little pr promotion for you first of all anyone that's listening to this go buy scott lease's book uh, addicted to the process i read it earlier this year it's pretty short it's what 100 pages maybe less um and it's a great read for anyone starting off their sales career. When people that are BDRs uh, hit me up and sometimes they ask me for reading material or stuff like that, um, that's always one of the first books that I mention. Uh, so check out the book, hit up Scott on LinkedIn. You can't add him because he's got too many connections, uh, but you could follow him, I guess, and, uh, and read his posts and, and connect with him there. You know, Thursday night sales is a great way to get introduced to the sales, a lot of it is like SaaS technology community, can meet some great people that way. Um, he's got a podcast, Surf and Sales podcast that he does with Richard Harris. He's on Twitter. Uh, what did I miss? Um, Patreon, you can get some exclusive content from him. It's 10 bucks. It's half of a San Francisco lunch a month. <laughs> and you get, uh, you know, all this, all the different uh, private access to Scott's community. So, um, Truth, you know, truthfully, I don't BS people on the show. Scott is hands down one of the top people um, in sales to follow, whether you're a practitioner or a leader. Um, so whatever avenue makes sense for you that I just listed, check him out. Uh, Scott, anything else that I missed that you're up to that the people should know about? Man, I, I got to hire you as my, <laughs> my PR guy. Man. Your hype man. <laughs> yeah, hype man. Uh, I'll give a little sneak preview. Uh, my second book comes out, Ooh. fingers crossed, comes out uh, in December, right before, uh, right before the Christmas rush. And it's all about the trials and tribulations in the life of a VP of sales, how to become one, 
what you need to do when you are one and some advice for for leaders and founders and how to interact with VPs and and kind of change the dynamic of this 15 to 18 month average uh, average tenure. So keep your eyes open uh, for, for this book towards the end of the year about, about the life of a VP of sales. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, well, I appreciate you, Scott. Thanks for coming on the show this morning. Um, everyone check out everything that Scott puts out there. And um, yeah, thanks again for joining. Appreciate it, Tom. Thanks, man.